The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. A friend was dining in a restaurant and was amazed when her waiter suddenly brought the food and said, God bless your food. She asked him about his beliefs and he said he'd strayed far from God, but within the past couple of weeks, he had decided to return to church. Recent hurricane earthquake disasters and yet another massacre by a crazed gunman had shaken him up. And like the prodigal son, he came to himself realizing that these are the last days and it's dangerous not to walk with the Lord. Did you know as long as we walk with the Lord, supernatural protection is promised? Let's look today at promises of protection described in Psalm 91. Shalom, I'm Christine Dark. No doubt the most famous psalm in the Bible is Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. In fact, Psalm 23 is perhaps the best known chapter in the Hebrew Bible. It offers so many words of comfort and strength and I've returned to it hundreds of times in my life as the Lord continually restores my soul. But there's another psalm that's getting a big press in these last days, and it's Psalm 91. Because of the supernatural protection that it promises during times of great uncertainty, terrorism, the return of plagues, many disasters, and so forth. In fact, Psalm 91 is best known as the Psalm of Protection. In Judaism, Psalm 91 is recited as protection before bed and sometimes during rituals of exorcisms because in the Hebrew it contains so many of the names of God. Psalm 91 is among the selected psalms traditionally recited on behalf of the sick. It's also customary to recite Psalm 91 leaving a funeral. The psalm is considered by Jews to be so powerful that some recite it seven times in a row in the hopes of removing the spirit of impurity. Books have been written on how soldiers on the battlefield have been protected by Psalm 91. But sadly, some people may treat God's word like a talisman. But when it's recited in faith, power is discharged and miracles can and do happen. Today, among professing believers, there's too much talk of worry, doubt, and confusion. The Word of God should be on our lips rather than words of despair and unbelief. So today, let's recite Psalm 91 together and look into the great promises that it outlines in just 16 verses. And as you will hopefully discover, this psalm is all about practicing the presence of God. Verse 1, He who dwelleth in this secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. 
please note that the key here is that it's our choice of where we choose to dwell. And we have to choose to hide in God and to take shelter in Him. This word to dwell means a fixed, settled, and continuous lifestyle. We can't backslide out of God's presence, but we must continually choose to dwell under His shadow of protection. The shadow of the Almighty is some sort of impenetrable shield. So how do we gain entrance under the shadow of the Almighty? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the door. No one comes to the Father, he said, except through me. So knowing the Son gains access to the Father. And the Father's secret place, there's peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, Jesus said, but in me you shall have peace. It's been said that some believers try to make their home in the world and visit the Lord occasionally. And then there are some true believers who choose to make their home anchored in the Lord. He becomes our base. And from Him, we venture out to visit the world. Verse 2, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him will I trust. Please notice how important it is to speak out loud and to command one's own spirit. I will declare concerning the Lord. He is my refuge, my fortress. He's my God. In Him, I'm going to put all of my trust. Well, have you declared that lately? I haven't declared it often enough. How many sorrows could we avoid by declaring this verse often and believing it? Verse 3, surely, you see, it's a certainty. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler, from the noisome pestilence. This is King James English. The snare of the fowler means hidden traps or nets laid by the devil to try to trap us and to take us down. These are the unexpected attacks we experience in life. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon once wrote that we're all like foolish, weak little birds. We're very capable of being lured into a trap to our destruction by cunning foes. But if we dwell near to God, he'll protect us from even the most skillful deceiver. Verse 3 goes on, He shall deliver thee from the noisome pestilence. This is a reference to having immunity from deadly disease. Can you believe for this? Well, the great apostle to Africa, John G. Lake, believed in the truth of these words, and he ministered right in the midst of a plague while people were dying all around him. But the contagion of sin has also been likened to a deadly pestilence. There is not one of us who doesn't have an issue with sin. Yes, indeed, this Bible says that there's not one righteous person on this earth. There's only one way that a sinner can escape and be reconciled to God, and that is if our sins are removed. You see, no matter what our religious background happens to be, it's Jesus who's in the business 
of the removal of sins and the forgiveness of sins. You see, sin is like poison. If, for example, your child has eaten something poisonous, would you allow your baby to keep on ingesting it? Of course not. You would take it away. And that's what our Heavenly Father wants to do for us, to remove the poison of sin. Now, verse 4. Here next, the psalmist uses the figure of a mother bird nestling and protecting her young. He shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. Amen. Next, the psalmist assures us that his truth shall be thy shield and buckler. This language is protection by the armor of God. Continuing with verse 5, next we have promises of deliverance from fear, which is so liberating. And then we have protection as well from attacks. You see, in the last days, Jesus said men's hearts will literally be failing them for fear about terrorism and what's about to happen next on the earth. But we can train ourselves to trust God and not live tormented by fears. The verse says, Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Oh, what great and glorious promises. We need to appropriate these. With Bible promises like this, anxiety should never rob us of sleep at night. When are we going to learn that worry is a sin? Worry is the exact opposite of the life of faith. But when we stay sheltered in the shadow shield of the Almighty, we don't have to do anything because He fights our battles for us. And then with our eyes, we'll see the judicial downfall of the wicked. Next, let's look at verses 9 and 10. Because you have said, the Lord is my shelter, and because you have made the Most High your haven, neither shall any plague come nigh thy tent, thy dwelling. This is another promise of divine immunity, and it's a companion verse to the Lord's Prayer. Deliver us from the evil one. No evil shall befall thee. Can we believe and receive this? Divine health and deliverance from evil are promised, but we have to rise up in our spirits and walk in these promises by faith. Jesus prophesied that one of the signs of the last days will be pestilences and plagues. Recently, there was the big Ebola scare and then the plague in Eastern Africa. Even hospitals can be dangerous places. But we have Psalm 91. For sure, we prayed Psalm 91 over our son David while he was 
working with Operation Blessing in West Africa to help deliver humanitarian aid to victims of the Ebola. Well, the next verse 11 proclaims, for he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Yes, indeed, the New Testament promises in Hebrews 1.14 that angels are spirits sent forth by God specifically, especially to minister to us believers who are the heirs of salvation. Angelic accompaniment and protection even during accidents are part of the benefit package of the Lord. For example, I know with all of my heart that I received angelic ministry years ago when I was involved in a terrible car accident at age 16 that could have snuffed out my life. Thank God for the angels. Verse 12, they shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder. The young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. I found an interesting commentary on this verse 13. The lion, the cobra, and the dragon, you might say, represent three levels of enemies. According to 1 Peter 5, 8, Satan prowls around as a roaring lion seeking to devour us. He tries to use the fear tactic of his roar. But we must also be careful not to step into the path of the cobra, which is a subtle slithering symbol of the devil and his deadly bite. On the other hand, the dragon can be the most formidable enemy of all. The dragon can represent the theater of the mind, the work of the imagination. Since we've never actually seen a dragon, these are phantom phobias. Dragons could represent the looming problems we tend to dwell on and worry about when we should instead be resting in the Lord and trusting in the Almighty. In Mark chapter 16, we're promised by the Lord in the Great Commission in that chapter. Jesus said, go into all of the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs, Jesus said, will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will cast off serpents. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will lay their hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Now, verse 14 of Psalm 91 says, because he, the person that dwells in God's presence, because he has set his love upon me, Therefore, God says, I will deliver him. That's it. That's the key. Let's set our love upon the Lord. And because he has set his love upon me, God promises, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. Well, God has many names, of course. 
By how many names do you know him personally? For example, do you know him tenderly as Abba, Father? Do you know him supremely as your Lord? Do you know him as the Lord, my physician? Or do you know him as Jehovah Yireh, the one who sees to everything and provides? Without any guilt or condemnation, can you call upon the name of Jesus as easily as you would call upon your best friend? Because he is your best friend. The Lord, when he's not a stranger to us, will set us on high. He will exalt and not belittle us because we've known him by name. Verse 15 goes on to make these wonderful statements that God will deliver those. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. These are exceedingly precious promises. Are you facing any trouble today? Have you called upon the Lord? Have you had the presence of mind to do so? Well, he promises to answer and we need to prove him by calling upon him. The last verse 16 of this wonderful Psalm says, with long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. You see, when we believe God and live in the light of his countenance, long life will be a natural consequence, unless for reasons known only to God, he has destined a martyr's crown for a shortened life. But for the most part, we can count on the truth of this conclusion of Psalm 91. With long life, I will satisfy him. Now, I found it fascinating that some commentaries say that Psalm 91 goes all the way back to the days of Moses and to the supernatural protection granted by God in the wilderness. And I discovered an extra-biblical midrash. It's called Bamimbar Rabbah 12.3. It recounts the story of Moses' ascent to Mount Sinai when he was assaulted by a band of hostile angels, demons, trying to prevent him from receiving the Torah. According to the Midrash, Moses defended himself by singing the words of Psalm 91. For example, the first two verses are abundant with the divine names. It says, The one sitting in the cover of Elion, the Most High, will dwell in the shadow of Shaddai, the Almighty. He says to Yehovah, You are my refuge in my fortress, my Elohim. I will trust in him. So as the Midrash goes, Moses used the psalm with its names of God to repel the demons. So Psalm 91 alludes to dwelling in the secret place of the Most High, under the shadow of His protective names. It alludes to being protected under the Shaddai, the shadow of the Almighty. What is the secret place? Well, the Bible shows there are many hiding places in God, physical and spiritual, in His presence and elsewhere. 
such as David's secret hiding place in caves when he was a fugitive from King Saul. But in Psalm 27, he wrote, He shall hide me in his tabernacle, which is the secret place of the most high God, the inner sanctuary. I love a companion verse in Psalm 3120. It promises you shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the conspiracies of men. You shall keep them secretly in a shelter from the strife of tongues. This is one of my favorite promises to be sheltered from the cruel and vicious attacks of slanderous persons and accusing tongues. It's fascinating that the word rendered your presence in English is literally your face, God's face. What a paradox. We can be hidden in the light of the Lord's countenance and his light is so bright that it actually conceals us. The protection and refuge is available only to those who flee to God's presence, God's face for help. He who dwells in the secret of God's presence has surely intimate communication with the Almighty. And thus we learn to take on board God's attitude toward anything that's wrong. A cross-reference is the instruction of Jesus in Matthew 6, 6. He gave us this instruction. He said, But when you pray, go into your most private room, close the door behind you, and pray to your Father in secret. And your Father who sees what's done in secret will reward you openly. When we live in Psalm 91, we can sleep like Jesus rested in the midst of a storm or even walk through a riot like he did in Nazareth without being touched. To be effective in God, we must learn to develop an awareness of his presence and the shadow of his protection as in Psalm 91. Too many things upset us in this life. Too often I hear professing Christians mumbling and complaining and talking unbelief as if they don't know God is their refuge and shield. And when a satanic assault comes, we must learn to retreat into our secret place in God. We must learn to encourage ourselves in the Lord and quickly change our attitude by declaring, Lord, you are my fortress. I'm going to hide in you. You alone are my defender. Lord, help us to have the presence of mind to live in your word. I think of the 17th century brother in Paris named Brother Lawrence, who served in a Carmelite monastery. His close relationship with God was recorded in a book that was compiled after his death, a little Christian classic by the title, The Practice of the Presence of God. Brother Lawrence was just a simple cook and kitchen worker. But for more than 60 years, he said he never lost the sense of the presence of God. He was as conscious of the Lord's presence amongst the pots and pans as when he partook of the Lord's Supper. He had a reputation for experiencing profound peace and visitors sought his spiritual guidance. 
The wisdom he passed on to them in conversations and in letters became the basis for his book that's so popular amongst both Catholics and Protestants. Brother Lawrence said that there's no greater lifestyle and no greater happiness than having a continual conversation with God. He said the time of business didn't differ with him from the time of prayer. He was praying continually in the noise and clatter of his kitchen. He possessed God in tranquility as great as if he were in his prayer closet on his knees. Brother Lawrence had a habit of lifting up his heart to the Lord during meals and even when he was in the company of others without them even realizing it. He said the least little remembrance towards God will always be acceptable to God. You don't have to cry very loud. He's nearer to us than we are aware. And through practicing the presence of God, Brother Lawrence had learned that when we're faithful to keep ourselves in the Lord's holy presence, we won't offend him by doing anything that might displease him. You see, when we keep the Lord always before us, the presence of God becomes habitual and quite natural to us. In fact, why would we ever choose to live in the low levels of doubt and depression when God made so many magnificent promises in Psalm 91? So if you've been asking, how may I enter into the protection of the Lord's secret place? Jesus said, I am the way, I am the door. By me, if any man will, he shall enter in. Amen. Because this program has been devoted primarily to the Psalm of Protection, Psalm 91, I want you to know that as a believer in Jesus, you qualify for his eternal protection, not just in this life, but eternity. In this fallen world, in its present state, we're guaranteed to have from time to time tribulations and persecution. But in Messiah, our souls are eternally secure. Never forget that. And in the meantime, I want to break over your life in the name of Jesus, every witchcraft, curse, and negative word that's ever been spoken over you in the past. Because He whom the Son of God sets free, is free indeed. Because of the salvation of the Lord, what He did for us in the atonement, now you and I are able to live new lives. Let's walk in His power from this time forward, appropriating Psalm 91 and all the promises of God. In the meantime, I invite you to feel free to write to me with any questions or comments so that we can stay in touch through the social media and also at our website, exploits.tv. At our website, you can subscribe to our free electronic magazine, Exploits, as well as receive our weekly email updates. Also at our website, all of our previous videos are available continuously, as well as an archive of articles on end-time topics, faith, and healing. And now you can download our free Jerusalem Channel app from your favorite app store to watch our videos on your mobile phones or tablets 
Our app offers a daily Bible reading plan. And so until next time, always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem, I'm Christine Daring, Maranatha, and Shalom. Here at the Jerusalem Channel, we work hard to keep you informed and up to date on prophetic end-time events in the Holy Land. But we also see so many great humanitarian needs. And that's why your support is helping to keep this ministry lifting up the name of the Lord in the Middle East. One of our most recent projects was to donate and dedicate a fully equipped ambulance to Israel's National Volunteer Rescue Service. The ambulance is available to assist everyone, Jews, Muslims, Christians, and yes, even tourists who might need medical assistance. So thanks for being a part of the Jerusalem Channel by your gifts through our website or through our ministry addresses in the USA and the United Kingdom. Please help us to be a blessing to all the people of the Holy Land.